0: Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and we're so thankful to have you with us today here in the House of Faith. You know, for the last several months, really here on Legacy TV, we've been talking about the anointing. And there's been such a hunger in our hearts and a desire to know more about the anointing in just really basically what it is. What is the anointing? Where does it come from? Do I have any of it? And if I do, how can I get more of it? What's the anointing on your life? And honestly, that is one of the greatest things any believer could ever find out is what they've been anointed by God to do. You know, it took the anointing on Jesus' life for him to do the things that he did and say the things that he said. And if it took the anointing on him, what do you think it's going to take for you? It's going to take God's anointing, his spirit with you, in you, on you, and working through you. And right now we're going to take you right back into family night And we're gonna keep talking about the anointing and the strength that comes from it and what it is to be anointed, but not just anointed, but anointed with this fresh oil, the oil of joy. And we know from the scriptures that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I believe today as you watch this, you're gonna be strengthened, you're gonna be encouraged and you'll be blessed. Let's go right now to family night. Psalm 92 And we're going to look at that verse again that we uh, spent some time with last month. If you weren't with us last month, uh, we missed you. Uh, I, I will just say that it was by far and away my favorite time that we've had together so far. And so we're making some TV broadcasts out of that right away. And just within the next probably month or so, I'm guessing it'll be on our website. It'll be on the Legacy Television broadcast and you can catch up then. But for months now, We've been talking about the anointing, the anointing, and I told you it kind of came out of this time where it just kept coming back up in my heart, and even though the anointing was something you know I heard about growing up, you grow grow up in church, especially one like the one I grew up in, this was not a, a foreign concept to us. We talked about it, it was talked about, taught about, preached about, and it was common to us. but even in the just with that as a background, just within the last few months. You got you to pay attention when the Holy Spirit starts talking to you about things you thought you already knew. That's an indicator of what? You don't know, <laughs> or you don't know what you need to know, or you don't know that all that there is to know. And that probably shouldn't surprise us, should it? To think, oh my gosh, I don't know everything yet. <laughs> surprise, surprise. We know in part, don't we? And it's a very small part at that. But he began talking really not even talking to me yet, just stirring up a hunger on the inside about the anointing. What is it? Where's it come from? Do I have any? If I do, can I get some more of it? You know, what do I do with it? What's it for? And over the last several months, I've just come to really firmly believe that one of the most important things that any believer can ever find out in this life is what are you anointed to do? What is God on you for? What reason? Because once you find that out, it's then upon you to just give your life to that thing. Give your life to that assignment. And we've talked, we've looked at Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. You don't have to turn there. We may be able to put it up on the wall here for you, but it says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be removed from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So we've already established, and most of you know this or you're familiar with it to a degree, that the the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. But the thing that we've got to get really clear is it's the only thing that will remove a burden and destroy a yoke. Nothing else can do it. Not somebody's gifting, not somebody's talent, somebody's gift, somebody's ability, somebody's talent. It can do a lot of things and it can do a lot of good things. It can fill up a room. It can pack a stadium. It can impress people. It can wow people. But where it will always come short is in the removing of a burden and the destroying of a yoke. It can't do that. Only the anointing can. So we've talked about what the anointing is, removes burdens, destroys yokes. This is why Satan is so terrified of it. This is why he hates it the, the way he does is because he's in the burden building business. But Jesus is in the burden removing business, the yoke destroying business. We talked about the anointing that was on Jesus. You see it in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. What's it say? How God did what? Anointed Jesus of Nazareth. I like this that it brings out his hometown. <laughs> it seems like. Oh, It seems like impertinent information, right? You know what I mean? It's nice to have Jesus from over there in Nazareth. What's the significance of that? Here's the point. Jesus ministered as a man anointed. A man from that town. A man from down the street for many of these people. So every miracle, every message, all the ministry every blind eye opened, every dead raised. It was the result of a man anointed. Every burden removed, every yoke destroyed was because a man, God anointed a man. And we've got to be clear about that. He was, yes, he was and is God, but the Bible tells us he emptied himself of that, wrapped flesh around him. This is why you don't see little baby Jesus performing miracles. This is why toddler Jesus isn't walking across the surface of the kiddie pool. This is why teenage Jesus isn't delivering masterful messages. Why? Why why what happened at 30? Well, he went under the waters of baptism, came up anointed by the Holy Ghost and power and it launched him into this ministry, a man anointed Let's just do some quick reasoning here. If Jesus needed the anointing to do what he was called to do, guess what you need? The anointing. You're not going to be able to do it without it. Put that verse back up there. Notice what happens with the anointing. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. There's just a number of different ways of saying the same thing. He's anointed. Power is the same way of saying he's anointed. The Holy Spirit with him, in him, on him is the same way of saying, it's just a different way of saying he's anointed. God with him is just another way of saying this man is anointed. So we looked in the book of Luke, chapter 4, and we talked about where Jesus was in the temple and he, he asked for the the writings of the prophet Isaiah. And he's talked about that, how the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And you remember that from Luke four, but I want to read it tonight as we go on in this from Isaiah chapter 61. And we've already established a number of things about the anointing. And I don't want to take a lot of time to recap it, but they, they really do build one upon another. Again, the anointing is what is the only thing that removes burdens, destroys yokes. We saw how the anointing has the ability to turn you into another person. You remember that? In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 10, how Samuel the prophet anointed Saul to be the first king of Israel. Saul, who was insecure, we see it in his own words. When Samuel talked to him about the assignment of God on his life, he said, I'm the least, I'm the most insignificant, my family's the smallest. And he, he literally said to the prophet, why do you talk to me like I'm somebody important? You can see the, the insecurity. You can see the timidity and the fear, but Saul or Samuel spoke to him and said, here's what's about to happen. You're anointed. And he said this to him in chapter 10 of verse, of first Samuel, it's going to turn you into another person. And he said, but well, here's what's going to happen. You're going to stand up and you're going to prophesy. I mean, I don't know if we took a quick survey in here of anybody who might consider themselves just at least a little bit introverted, you know, maybe not so comfortable in crowds. Well, what if we found somebody like that, pulled you up, handed you a microphone and said, prophesy. Go ahead, prophesy. Well, this is is what Saul was dealing with. But the anointing came on him and it turned him into somebody else. But Samuel was clear about his instructions and he said, see that you do all that the occasion demands you to do. So in other words, the anointing on you will put you in situations that requires the anointing on you. That's what I believe I I do and Sarah and I do together with our lives. You know, I'm standing in front of you tonight and I honestly would not do this if there wasn't something in me that believed that there was an anointing available here to do this. This is an occasion that demands not a gifting, not a talent. Thank God it requires an anointing. It demands an anointing. Well, there's, a, there's something on your life that will constantly put you in an environment, in a situation that demands what's on you, requires what God has put in you. And this is what Saul said to Samuel, see that you do it. So when you're talking about the anointing, whatever it is, one of the main things you have to remember is it must be yielded to. See, the anointing was on Saul. God was with him to do it. But Samuel said, you're gonna have to yield to it even when the anointing's present, you still have to yield to it. So we established that the anointing can turn you into another person. We've established that the anointing isn't just for you. It's on you, but not, it's it's not on you just for you. It's for the people around you. We talked about how the anointing must be inspected for, or look closely for it. Respect the anointing, protect the anointing. We talked last month about having this fresh thing with God. You remember what we saw in Psalm 92? We can go and put that on the screen for us. Psalm 92 verse 10. Put that back up there for us, Elijah. You might remember what the psalmist said. He said, you have exalted my horn or my strength like that of a wild ox. Remember he said that? He said, I have been anointed with what kind of oil? Fresh. Fresh, fresh oil. We talked about how God has put something in every one of us that doesn't just prefer something fresh, we crave something fresh. We crave freshness in our relationships. We crave freshness in our lives in every area. But there is no one area of your life where you should crave it and want it and desire it more than in your fellowship with the Lord. Because He craves it. And if this thing that you have with him is old and dry and stale and boring to you, guess what? It probably is to him too. (laughs) I mean, he's probably not just sitting there, you know, ready for you to come and, you know, check off the box and walk through the paces and go through the motions. He wants a fresh thing. And the psalmist said, you've anointed me with a fresh oil. We talked about times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord the strengthening that comes out of that. But I want you to see, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 61. This is what Jesus quoted when they handed him the scrolls there in the temple that day. We're going to build on where we've already been, but listen to this. Man, I'm excited about this. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Gosh, the Lord said some, some stuff today that I cannot wait. I I just, there's about a thousand and one things going on in here. So I'd be surprised if we get to all of it, but you guys, you can help me out with this, right? Okay. In Isaiah 61, beginning in verse one, the prophet Isaiah is speaking, but I want you to hear these words coming out of the mouth of Jesus because they did. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Why? Because he's anointed me to do what? preach good tidings to the poor. Jesus said it like this, preach the gospel, which is good news, preach the gospel to the poor. So again, what is poverty? It's a burden. It's a yoke. And Jesus was and is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. That's what poverty is. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. A broken heart is a burden. It's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to heal that burden, lift that burden, destroy that yoke and heal that broken heart. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Captivity, imprisonment to anything or anyone is a burden, it's a yoke. And Jesus is anointed to lift that burden and destroy that yoke. What else is the anointing on him to do? To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. I want you to notice how many times just in the next verse, you hear the same word come up over and over. To comfort all who do what? Mourn. To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for what? For mourning. So you see this mentioned over and over. The oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now I've been looking at this verse for, I mean, a long time and and very concentrated over the last several weeks and months, but I I said something in my heart today that I've never heard the Lord say it in quite this way. But I believe that what you read here in Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter four, this was the permanent state and condition of humanity until Jesus This was the condition mankind was in poor. I mean, impoverished, impoverished spiritually, impoverished in the soul, impoverished in the body, financially, materially. This was the state that Jesus was born into, into this world. Mankind was poor. Mankind was brokenhearted. Mankind We certainly know mankind and humanity was held captive. We know that mankind and humanity was bound. And that's in Luke four where it stops. But if you go on, what else does he talk about? Comforting those who mourn, consoling those who mourn, giving them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Just as just as, just as much as mankind was poor and brokenhearted and, and held captive and bound, there was a permanent state of grief. Can you see that? I mean, how many different times did he just say, talk about the mourning that was taking place, the grieving, the heaviness. But remember what he said in Psalm 92, I've been anointed with a what? A fresh what? A fresh oil. This state that mankind was in, poor, brokenhearted, captive, blind, and grieving and mourning. This is what Jesus came with the anointing to undo. Now, what did he do it with? We've talked about a number of these, but let's add this to it tonight. Again, verse three, to console those who mourn in Zion, the oil of joy. What's this whole passage about? The anointing. I've been anointed with a fresh oil. So he's talking here, the oil of joy is a facet of the anointing that we've got to talk about, this oil of joy. I don't know when it was, babe, but several years ago now, and I don't even know how we got into it, but somebody introduced Sarah to all these different oils. (laughs) And there was an oil for everything, right? I mean, I remember peppermint oils and other weird words, melaleuca oils, and tea tree oils, and help me out, ladies, because I know you probably have some on, frankincense oils, myrrh, yes, there was an oil, but what was that? Lavender. Lavender, thank you, that's one of the ones that often fills our home, lavender oil, and there was an oil, and I guess it is for anything, everything, I mean, we have lathered our children head to toe at various times in these oils. And uh, I mean, I remember telling Sarah, man, my head hurts. Next thing you know, I've got peppermint oil under my nose, behind my ears and, you know, and you can't tell if it really helps or if it's just so overwhelming that you forget about the pain. But can I tell you something tonight? That there is an oil more essential than any of those. And it is the oil of joy. I am stirred up tonight about joy, the essential oil. (laughs) Amen. He's talking to him about the oil of joy. The anointing is the oil of joy. Joy is supposed to be one of those things that defines us, that makes us different than anyone and everyone else. Matter of fact, put up um, Hebrews chapter one, Elijah. Hebrews chapter one, verse nine. Look at this verse talking about Jesus. It's actually a quote from the Psalms in the Old Testament, but you see it again here in Hebrews. He's talking about Jesus and he says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, or in light of this, in light of the fact of how much you love righteousness, Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness, check this out, more than your companions. So I know it's typically not right to like compare people to people, but in this sense, there's a comparison of Jesus to literally everybody else. And what's the anointing that's on him and is in is on him in a greater degree than it is on anyone else. It's this anointing, this oil of gladness, this oil of joy. Now back up again and notice what he said reading into it. He said, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. And you could, in the context of this, assume that he meant more than anybody else. And there's sort of an automatic picture that our hearts generate when we think about somebody like this, somebody super duper spiritual, you know what I mean? Like extra, extra Christian, (laughs) really, really saved. And typically the idea and the picture that comes to mind is kind of this, this look right here, Mm. (laughs) you know, just that super serious, this isn't funny. We don't mess around with the things of God. Let's pray. You know what I mean? We try to get that idea of somebody. And even when they are joking, there's some scriptural reference to it. You know what I mean? But Jesus, who loved righteousness more than anybody else and hated lawlessness, hated sin more than anybody else the defining characteristic on his life more than anybody else was what? Joy, gladness. And you spend some time looking at other translations of this, talking about how he was anointed with an exultant joy. I think it's the New Living Translation that literally says you've been uh, anointed with the oil of joy more than anybody else. I looked it up, it literally means excessive joy. Just too much joy. Jesus, you just got too much joy. Too much of this oil all over you. It's the joy oil. joy It's the joy, the joy oil. But what does, what does something or someone that is dry and lifeless and just kind of crusty, <laughs> What's needed? Huh? You got to oil that thing up, right? You got to oil that person up. And some of us need an injection of this oil of joy into our lives. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app from there you'll have access to the legacy television broadcast the legacy letter magazine and so much more you can also visit pearson's to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at legacy studios be blessed today we love you remember you are always welcome here in the house of faith